Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. Amen. All right, Bedrock, how's everyone doing? Come on, it's Saturday night. Let's come on. Yeah, here we go. All right, good. Uh, well, if we have never met before, my name's Blake. I'm one of the pastors here at Bedrock, and we're just honored to have you be a part of this with us tonight. We hope that you experience God in a, an incredible way, a life-changing way, and that tonight is just going to be amazing. Uh, we're continuing on in our chosen series, and uh, this week I, I'm so excited to bring this message to you. And uh, we had some kind of things go on this week that pertained exactly to this. I think you guys have heard this, but our youngest child, his name is Jude. We call him Jude the Dude. He's our only boy, uh, and he, so he's all alone. Uh, it's just me and him surviving, and so, um, but Jude is, he's three, and honestly, he's in this phase where we just upgraded him to the big boy bed, right, because he was jumping out of his crib constantly. He would like, before you could even shut the door, you'd say like, hey, good night, and then you'd like turn around, and he'd, and he'd run out of the room, and so we were like, well, these walls are basically just a potential hazard at this point, not really helping him. And so we moved him that way. But what Jude realized, I think, is that the walls on the crib definitely helped him feel a bit more secure, a bit more like, oh, there's something here to help me. There's something here to, to really keep me cozy. Uh, and so what we've had to do is Jude was coming out of the room constantly. I think one night it was like 13 times. Okay, and it's like I had to scare him. I would sit on the couch, and when he would come out, he would like look, and I'd be like just so quiet on the couch in our living room. And then when he would come in, I'd be like, hey, and he'd be like, Wah! and he'd run back to his room. But it just didn't work. And what we realized is Jude just didn't want to be alone. Like that's, he just doesn't want to be alone. And in fact, that's what we I entitled tonight's message. I, I don't want to be alone. And I think so many of us can relate to that feeling. In fact, we just got through COVID, and I think one of the hardest things that many of us dealt with was being alone, isolated. You know, there's this feeling of being alone that we weren't meant for that. In fact, when God created Adam, he looked at Adam and said, hey, it's not good that you're alone. I'm going to make for you a helpmate or a mate, and we are, you're going to create Eve, and, and this whole process goes on, and God knew that it wasn't good that you and I would, were alone. In fact, now, in, in prison, solitary confinement is actually being done away with in a lot of prisons because they realize how cruel and unusual that punishment actually is for people. And so the remedy for Jude in these beds was when he would get into th this moment, if Kelsey and I were to go into the room, you guys have heard this, we would lay with him, and our presence in the room helped him tremendously. He knew that he wasn't alone. And anybody who has, has kids knows that when your presence as a parent comes into a place, fear goes away, insomnia somehow goes away, right? The bellyache, the sickness, you're healed, you're safe. You, 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 can, you can feel the presence of mom and dad in the room, and it just makes everything better. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, where you've just been in the presence of somebody and you just feel safer. You feel seen, you feel heard, you feel okay. 
And so tonight as we go into the Chosen uh, series, if you haven't downloaded the app yet and watched the first season, um, I would really suggest that you do this because the first season's great. It's eight or nine episodes. The second season's eight episodes. And I really think in the next two weeks they're going to announce the third season. Uh, and so the, the scene that we're going to come into is a very interesting story. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be only in the Gospel of Luke tonight, chapter 5, okay? And so I'm going to give some more context in just a second to this, but I want you to check out this clip first. So check it out. It's a leopard. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Please, please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. Uh, but what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Uh, uh. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby.
this story we find in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, starting in verse 12. And I'm going to give you some context, because what just happened in this, this scene and in this passage is nothing short of remarkable. In fact, I'm going to read out of the Bible, because at Bedrock, we, we really believe in the Bible. We believe that this is God's word, and it is God's power, and it is perfect in everything. And so we want to hold the Bible high. We, we believe in this. And so let's go back to the scriptures, and let's see how Luke describes the story that we just saw. Starting in Luke chapter 5, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, this is Jesus, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice the faith there, not maybe, not you, like could we try it. He says, if you will it, it can happen. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, this is an incredible part of the story because I'm going to give you some background on leprosy here in just a second during this time and what would happen to people. So Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And the Bible says, and immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded as proof of them. So what Jesus says is, hey, you're going to need to go back to the religious leaders of the day and you're going to need to show them and they're going to need to inspect you because you could be healed from some of these things and to show that you're cleansed so that you can re-enter into society. So you're no longer this pariah on the outskirts of everything. But as time goes on, we know what happens. Jesus says, hey, don't say anything. But when a leper who's been hanging on the outside of town gets healed, everybody has a couple questions. Verse 15, but now even more, the report of him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. See, probably one of the cruelest parts of leprosy was that you had to leave culture. You had to leave the society that you were in because they believed that leprosy was actually an outward expression on your body of an inward condition, that there was a sin issue in your life, and that's why you had all of these things going on in your body. And so you were considered to be ritually unclean. That means unfit to go into the presence of God. That's what that would mean for someone. That's the hardest part of leprosy, that you leave the world and everyone in it, and you have to hang out in the woods. But not only that, you can't go into the presence of God in the temple because you're unclean. And so these people would, would live in this way that, that they were desperate and desolate and kind of meandering, kind of like the walking dead outside of these cities. And so what would happen is people would, would know immediately that you had leprosy. There'd be sores on your body, and the clothes that you wore were tattered, and, and there was blood because the skin would scale over. That word for leprosy is not Hansen's disease like we think of leprosy now. It's likely some other kind of disease. The word in the Greek actually means scaly. If you could maybe think of... Uh, cirrhosis, psoriasis, you know, that's a scaly and it breaks out. This is what we need to think of. And people wouldn't get near you. It's like you had cooties, right? They're like, no, like 
literally, there were times if someone showed leprosy, they would cover their face, and they would say, depart from me, sinner, and everybody in the crowd would begin to pile on them. Get out of here. Now, I got a lot of compliments on my shirt tonight. Those of you that complimented me on my shirt, you're going to be like, whoops. Because this is how so many of us feel in front of God. See, leprosy was all over the skin. I couldn't give myself leprosy, so I decided to make a nasty shirt. And that is what so many of us feel like. We feel like our sin and our shame and our fear and our guilt are ever in front of us. Like this shirt. And we just walk around all the time in our life. And people can see it. And we wear it, and, and, and it controls us. It determines who we are. It determines how we look. And that's how the people of the time with leprosy felt. Can you identify with that in any way? Can you identify with this feeling that you may have that you can't even get near God? You can't even get close to God in your life because you think, how could God want someone who looks like this? Spiritually, you feel like this is what your soul looks like to God. And, and other people, we, we see people in the world now and they're, where they're so identified with their sin. They're so identified with their shame. In fact, we have a great example of this in our current culture. It's called cancel culture. This is what we want to do with every person in the world. And I believe that's why so many of us are scared to come to God because we think we look like this to him. We're spiritual lepers, like, God, my soul is so stained from all of the things that have happened to me and the things that I have done. How could I ever approach you? I feel so alone. And then cancel culture comes in and goes, you did something 35 years ago, you're done. You're out of here. Canceled. Canceled from life. Like, maybe you'll never get a job again. Maybe you'll never be able to meet someone again. We're not a culture of second chances or growth anymore. We're a culture of condemnation. And I wonder why so many of us would feel so hard and weary to go to God when the culture looks at us and says, you're a pariah, you leper, get out of the city, you are alone and you are by yourself. But did you notice what Jesus does in the scriptures? And they illustrated it so well in that clip. See, they all see the leper coming, and they scream, and they're like, hey, get out of here. In fact, there's stories in historical context where rabbis would take stones and throw them at lepers so they would leave them alone. That's cancel culture. Get away from me. You're awful. God, I hope no one finds out about what I've done, but here. I mean, do you feel like you're spiritually canceled? Is this you? Maybe you walked into this place and you're like, I don't even know if I can be in here because everyone's going to see how messed up I am. I want you to notice something. This is the very first point of the message. See, the opposite of being alone is being in the presence of someone. And I want to tell you this. Even in our mess, even in our sin, even in our shame, God wants to be with us. Maybe that's like the only message you need to hear tonight is that in your sin and in your shame and in all the filth of all of it, God still wants to be with you. He wants you to be in his presence and he wants to be in yours. You are his sons and daughters created 
And sin is this separation from God. But Jesus came to remove the gap between us. For so many of us, this is where we are. Sometimes we feel we are caught in sin. And that we feel like there is this void between God and us. And as we approach God, we're so scared. We're kind of coming to God like this, like, oh, wretched man am I. But what is even Isaiah, this is what Isaiah says when he goes up into the heavens and he sees God in the temple. He says, oh, wretched. He falls on his face and says, wretched man am I. I am a man of unclean lips. And then one of the seraphim come and drop a hot coal on his mouth and purify him. God so desperately wants to be with you and I, and we so desperately need to be with him. So much so that he sent his only son into the world to bridge the gap. But I want you to notice what happened there. As everybody else in the culture was pulling away, leaving this man alone, Jesus stepped forward and reached out to him. It's unbelievable that someone would touch a leper. It's unbelievable that someone would reach out. And I just wonder for a second if you feel that way. This is how you feel in your life. I, God, I can't do this. God, God, this is what's going on. And Jesus is saying, no, I am stepping towards you. I want to heal you. I want you to be saved and I want you to be rescued. Come here. There is nothing in this world that will keep us from God. Nothing, nothing in this world that will keep us from God seeing us and touching us and knowing us. And that's exactly what's exemplified in this passage, where the enemy wants you to believe that you're alone and that God will never love you. Jesus is stepping forward. And you, you know how you know that. You say, I don't know, I don't feel that all the time. Sometimes you have to know the truth and tell your feelings the truth. Because this book, as, as God's creation, talks about you in a very different way than probably the way you feel right now. So many people walk into churches and feel like, all I feel is condemnation. That's not what this book looks like. Jesus says, come as you are. You may change, you will change, but come exactly as you are. And in fact, he says that for those who are in Christ, those who have believed in Jesus for salvation, there is no condemnation. And so let me just ask you, what shirt did you come in here wearing? What, what, what things did you put on before you in this moment? Have you been spiritually canceled? And you feel like you're just this outskirt person and no one's going to love you and no one's going to see you and you're just all the mistakes that you've ever made and there's only judgment. What this passage shows and what this shows, these, these clips show is that Jesus was not only not afraid, he stepped forward and touched him and healed him immediately. We're going to see in this next passage another incredible healing. In this next clip, you're going to see something that I think is so, so, so important for us to understand in our relationship with God. But let me just tell you one more time. God wants you to be in his presence, even in your mess. Even in your mess, he wants to be in your presence. Take a look at this next clip. 
cannot be hid. And if it were nighttime, Zebedee wouldn't light his lamp and put it under a basket, put it on the stand where it could light us all. Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man! your tablet at least. Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. The story that we're going to find ourselves in right here is right after the healing of the leper. This is famous. It's actually in all of the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke. John is different. Actually, John is nearly 90, over 90% original material. But in these stories, this story is always told of this paralytic. And, and let's just read through the story and, and see what happens. See, so many of us feel like our, our sin and, and our past and our shame isolates us from God and keeps us alone in life. We feel like we've been canceled. But see, some people get so desperate for God to be in God's presence. They do extraordinary things to see him. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, this would be Sadducees and maybe some Essenes, were there, and, and who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. These are far-off places. And... The power of God, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. 
And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way in, no way to bring him in, because the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles or, or the straw in the roof into the midst before Jesus, into the presence of Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees got to question. They began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But they didn't say this out loud. Did you notice that in the clip, Jesus turned to them immediately and starts answering the question that they have in their heart? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, which only God does. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately, notice that word, and immediately, happened in both texts. And immediately, he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen an extraordinary thing today. See, I have a question for you. You feel like you're spiritually canceled. You feel like you're in this moment. But see, what happens is when we get desperate enough for God, when we get desperate enough for Jesus, when we go and try to seek his presence, our desire for God will bring others to God. When you really desire to be in the presence of the Lord, like this paralytic was, you're going to bring others into God's presence with you. And that's so important because when you're tired of being alone and you feel like you've been canceled and you feel like all of these things, when you're finally ready to go into the presence of God, there's something that's so tangible with that. There's something that's so alluring to that that you're going to bring other people with you. It's really simple. Verse 18, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. And so let me ask you a question. How desperate are you right now to get in the presence of God? Do you feel like all of this stuff, you're either a leper or you're spiritually paralyzed? Are you desperate enough to get into the presence of God that you're willing to bring others with you? That's what happened. This paralytic is so desperate. And this lady, this Ethiopian lady who saw the healing of the leper in this story, she saw that presence. She was like, hey, you got to go see Jesus. you got to get in his presence. You're going to have to know him. And so here's my question for you. Who in your life makes you want to get more in God's presence? Who in your life right now makes you want to read the Bible? Who makes you want to pray? Who makes you want to get into a group? Who makes you want to serve? Who makes you want to take that time every day to give it to the Lord? See, this is what has happened to us. Because we feel like this, we isolate ourselves from God and others, we're alone. And we don't have people in community around us that's helping us get to Jesus. This is why we do groups here. you got to get around some Jesus people in your life that are encouraging you and taking you back to the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. 
it is not good that you are alone. You're like, well, I go to church for an hour and 15 minutes every week. That's not enough. You got to get around like people who love God and love others and are going. And so who in your life makes you want to go towards the presence of God? But let me ask you an even more convicting question. Who are you bringing with you? Are you so desperate in your life and tired of feeling like this? That you're like, I, I, I don't feel worthy, but I got to get to him. I've got to get into his presence. I've got to experience God today. I've got to be there. Do you want to read with me? Do you want to pray with me? Can I pray for you? What can I do? Hey, let's go early and let's serve. Hey, let's go, let's go be part of that trunk or treat. Let's go serve and be part of it. Hey, I know we've never been to a group before, but let's go together. Hey, you want to come to church with me? You know, over 85% of people say if invited to church by someone that they know, they're likely to come. Some of us just give up the first time. Like they say no once and you're like, oh man, never again. Oh well, one and done. Keep inviting. Keep offering to help bring people into the presence of God, into experiences and environments where they can, can do what's something outside of the normal because so many of us feel like this. So many of us, I feel like this. I'm wearing my sin and my shame like it's a garment. But not only when you want to get into the presence of God and you seek people who want to get into the presence of God, will you bring other people with you? I just have a question. Are you waiting on God? Are you going to him? The paralytic had no legs that worked. And he said, somebody got to get over here and carry me. I'm so desperate. Get this stuff and carry me. Do you know how demeaning it is to be carried like a baby as a grown man? No one thinks about that in this story. Do you know how demeaning it must have been to say, hey, guys, I know you're capable. Can you pick me up? Because I can't do this. But I'm so desperate. I'm willing to swallow my pride. I'm willing to walk before God in my shame because paralysis was considered a sin issue. I don't care anymore how canceled I feel. I got to get to him. He's my only hope. Can you carry me? What excuses are we using right now in our life to not get into the presence of God? This guy was so desperate. The, the leper was so desperate. They were willing to deal with any type of consequence to get into the presence of Jesus. God will certainly meet you, but are you trying to get to him? See, we have this problem in our culture that goes like this. We have made so much of our life in this life about God revealing himself to us as if we are the deity. That he has to prove himself to us. You prove yourself to me. God says, done. Look at creation. Done. Look at the book I wrote. Done. I have the Holy Spirit. Done. My son raised from the dead and history testifies to the fact. In fact, one of my professors at Liberty is about to release a book. It's going to be over 3,000 pages on the proof of the resurrection. 3,000 pages on the resurrection. He's shown himself. He's shown himself in beauty. I mean, have you not noticed how beautiful creation is? 
Don't you find that weird? That we would perceive beauty? We must have a lovely creator who creates beauty and created us to behold it. He's proven himself. But so many of us say, hey, show me a miracle. Show me this thing. I got to know that you're here because I don't want to be disappointed. I'm scared. What are you waiting for? What do you have to lose? Are you desperate enough? See, Jesus has nothing to prove, and he is worthy of our pursuit. He is worthy of us knowing him, and in the struggle to fight for all of this, we get to know him much more and much more deeply. See, let me ask you this. God is not hard to get to, but you got to fight to know him. He's not hard to get to, right? This is called omnipresence. These are the immutable attributes of God. Omnipresence means that God is present at all places, at all time. That means future, past, present. He's there over the entire existence of anything in the world or the universe. He's there right now. He's omnipresent. That's why you can trust him with your future. He's already there. He's already working it out. He's already doing it. That's why you can trust him with your past because he was there and he saw it and he's still willing to send his son for you. And that's why you have to believe him for your present. Because he's there. See, God is not hidden. His presence is everywhere. But why would we all think that it's going to be super easy at times to get to know an infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and loving God? You've got to fight to know him. Because you have an enemy who's fighting against you that you will not. And he uses this all the time. You can't know God. You're not smart enough. Remember how stupid you were? Remember how bad you were at school? You can't know God. No, you did all that messed up stuff when you were in high school. Don't you know? You did all that messed up stuff last week. You can't know him. And he doesn't want to know you. Are you so desperate that you're willing to let other people carry you into the presence of God? Getting to him isn't hard. But knowing him, you have to fight. As we get ready to go into this final clip, we're going to continue in this story. See, we're going to see two different reactions to what's happening here at this moment. Check out this next clip. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or rise up and walk. It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed.
usually does it. chapter 5 verse 20 and when he saw their faith which faith has always been the thing that brings us into the presence of God he said to him man your sins are forgiven and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying who is this who speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone Jesus not only shows them that he's God in just a second by healing him but he shows them because he knows their thoughts. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I am, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what had been lying what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. A lot of people begin to question the miracles of Jesus, but there's a whole crowd of people who could testify to this story. There's a whole group of people that could say, "Yeah, I saw that." And they could also say, "No, that didn't happen. This is a lie." And so let me ask you a question. There's two really different responses to being in the presence of Jesus. See, one person was in the presence of Jesus and believed who he says he was, God, and another group of people were in the presence of God and totally missed it. See, I don't think the issue is, is that God has departed from you or that you aren't sensing him in your life. I think he's showing up differently than you think he should. And so let me ask you this. Are you believing in God or just a good idol? God or a good idol? 
Let's be honest, like the Pharisees had idolized the law, and they were trying to do the best that they could, but through all the law and all the things of how they expected the Messiah to come, the religious leaders and teachers of the time missed the God they had been waiting for. Because he didn't show up in the way that they had expected. He's born as a baby in a manger. And he's not here to crush the Romans. He's here to crush a much greater enemy. Sin. Rome was not Israel's problem. Sin was. And so he shows up as a Messiah much different. He is a warrior Messiah. He's just fighting a different battle. And so many of us look at this and we go, I don't know. I'm not sure all the teaching and all the things that I know in this life. I'm not experiencing the presence of God. So I wonder if the issue is God or us. God or a good idol. So many of us, I believe, feel this. We see that the Pharisees and the teachers look at this story and go, disturbing the peace. There's a problem here. It's those leaders who, because Jesus is such a problem, because he's healing people all of the time, that set up the plan to kill him. They set up the plan to kill the Son of God. All because he didn't meet their expectations. And anything that's not their expectation, that's not him as an idol. And some of us in this room are not experienced in the presence of God because the thing that you're worshiping isn't him. And you're like, why have I missed this? See, it's so easy for us in this story. Jesus is showing them so much of who he is. Because we talked about it, like omnipresence, like God is present at all places at all time. But in this story, we see two of the other immutable attributes of God. These are these three attributes that are referred to as the unchanging things of God. These things never change. Like this is who God is. And we see two of them in this story, and it just totally flies over their head because they miss who God is and what he's actually doing. The first is called omniscience. means that God knows all things. So that's what the Bible means when he looks at them and perceives what's in their mind. Jesus isn't like a telepath, okay? Jesus is not like a palm reader or the best psychic in the world. He's far from any of those things. He is God, and he knows the hearts of men. And he looks at them, and he says, why are you questioning in your heart? What he just showed them was, I am the Lord, for I know your heart. And they just move on. Oh, huh. No one said, at least we don't see it in the story, how did he know that? Right? How did he know that? And not only that, he says, what's easier? What's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this person who's been paralyzed their whole life to get up and walk? Has anyone in here been injured for a long time? When I was like in first grade, my brother punched me in the chest. I was sitting on the back of a couch and um, I fell backwards and I snapped my arm right here. Whammo! My mom was at the movie theater. We had this babysitter. It was terrible, actually, because we were watching Beavis and Butthead. We shouldn't have been watching that. So that was on the TV. I have a broken arm. My mom felt like, guys, if you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, she was watching a movie. This is before cell phones. And she felt during the movie, something's wrong, I need to go home. 
when my mom shows up, I got a broken wing, and Beavis and Butthead's on the TV, and my brother's crying, and we just, let's just put it this way, he, that guy didn't babysit ever again, okay? <laughs> but, but in that story, and in this, like, to just heal my arm, when, when my arm didn't heal right the first time, and so when it didn't heal right, I had to wear a cast again. Then the doc, I was in first grade. The doctor's like, we're going to have to re-break your arm. And I was like, what? <laughs> you're going to have to do what? And then he's like, and then we're going to have to saw this cast off. And I was like, you're going to what? Right? Like, I was freaked out, okay? So my mom's like, are you stupid to this guy? She's like, you, you're going to tell a seven-year-old you're going to re-break his arm? They didn't end up doing that. My wing worked. It's okay. But I had to wear a cast for double the amount of time. And when this chicken wing came out, it was a little bit smaller than this one. Because <laughs> I hadn't used it. Because I couldn't. This guy has never walked. Do you know how hard it is to go from never walking to standing up, carrying your own mat, and leaving? I want you to notice in this story, both of these people were immediately healed. Perfectly healed. Now some of them may have looked again. That's what the enemy does. He says, you're perfectly healed, God. And he goes, wait, there's a spot. You're like, there's a spot on my shirt? He gets you to believe again that you have a problem, but I want you to notice his legs and his spine were perfectly healed. He was able to get up and walk and leave, and they miss it. He's all powerful. How much more powerful do you have to be than to tell a paralyzed person to walk? And so in this story, that's why I'm saying, God or good idol, they missed 100% the story of the fact that they had heard that just he had healed, healed lepers. That's why they show up for this teaching. So then they see this, and Jesus tells them what they're thinking in their heart, omniscience, and then heals a guy and makes his legs completely whole that he can walk out again, and that's omnipotent. Two of the immutable attributes of God present in one thing, and these guys who are experts on God miss it. They were in pre the presence of the Messiah the entire time, but because he doesn't show up like they expect, they miss him. I wonder for how many of us God is showing up day after day in your life, and you're like, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. You're missing me. There's something in your life and in your heart and in your mind of who I should be, and I'm not going to show up in your expectation of who I am. I'm going to show up as who I am. Because God is not here to meet our expectations about who he should be. He's here to reveal himself as he is. So where are you missing him? I know that I miss him all the time. How do you actually get into the presence of God? It's really simple. Think about the senses. How do you see God? Creation, all of it. It is his handiwork. It is evident. It says that his name is written amongst the stars. All of creation cries out to us that there is a creator. Every breath that you breathe in, that air is a reminder of his presence. But I hearing it, how do we hear from God? We hear the word of God. You can see it. You can hear it. You can feel it. If you want to, you can taste it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. You've got a belly full of paper mache. 
but you could. How do you feel it? Like, how do you feel God? The Holy Spirit, who resides and dwells in you. You feel him. You can sense him. You can know him. See, and you and I are never alone. Ever alone. Even when we wear things like this. Even when we feel that way in our life. You're never alone. Because the third immutable attribute of God is not just his knowledge and his power, but his presence. He's always here. He's always with us. You're never, ever alone. And just like when we, as Jude's parents, go into his presence and he gets in ours and all of these things happen, he accepts us as we are, not who he thinks we should be. And when he accepts us as we are, he lives in peace. See, because here's what happens in this whole story. There's these two really incredible things that can happen to you and I when we really get in the presence of God. See, because your sin in your past is forgiven. The Bible refers to this as justification. When you've believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're justified. Okay, this comes from the book of Romans. You're declared righteous. It's actually a legal term, like in law, where God as the judge would declare you as, oh, nope, nothing has gone wrong in their life. Nothing. His payment for their sin cancels it out. They're free justified. But how many of you know that being justified and living as justified are two different things? It's going to be take, uh, take a lot of us to get around the judge for him to remind us, you've been declared righteous. You've been declared holy. You're forgiven. You're free. You're no longer those things. I sent my son and he bought you out of that and his death covered that. You're no longer spiritually canceled. You're no longer a spiritual leper. You're no longer a spiritual paralytic who's living outside the city of God. You've been brought home and you've been healed. We just need to help you realize it. See, when you get around the presence of God, you're healed. Some of us in this room have been waiting so long for some of this stuff. And we're trying to find it in every other place but God. But God. I'm scared of him. I, the knowledge, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of all knowledge. That doesn't mean terror of God. It means fear, awesome, inspiring. Who he is is unbelievable. Are you in his presence? But not only are you perfectly healed, like perfectly healed. Leper, immediately leprosy left him. Paralytic, and immediately he could walk. The Bible says that twice. It's not a delayed healing. It's immediate. So not only are you healed immediately, you're saved. You're rescued. This is what the Bible refers to what happens to us. We are rescued out of sin. Saved. Both of these men are saved. From what? Exile? Being alone? Being abandoned? having everyone look at you as if you're, you're wearing your sin. Like, they, they just didn't have the t-shirt. They just had physical ailment. When you get into the presence of God, you're saved. 
You know what I really love about that first scene? Did you notice that after Jesus healed him, he gives him a new tunic? There's a rule back then when you had leprosy. You could get healed, and when you got healed, you had to burn all the clothes that the leprosy had touched. So these people, a lot of time, would be out in the wilderness in nasty clothes. And immediately, when Jesus heals him, he reclothes him. Immediately, he takes the tunic and goes, this is your new identity, healed. You're, you're not going to need to walk to the temple now to show your healing to the priests marred by the sin of your past. It's gone. Here's some new clothes. See, that's like what it's like for all of us, right? Like a lot of us walk around in the t-shirt, and when you get into the presence of God and you know God and you really get healed by him, you no longer have to dress like this. You get to put on a new tunic, and he puts it on you. And he tells you that you're no longer those things. He tells you you've been clothed in righteousness. He places upon you himself. And the Bible says that when we become believers and we believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again and we really get in the presence of God and God not only heals us, but he saves us. He saves us from having to wear those old things as well. And some of us look in a mirror and all we see is the old. And Jesus says, no, I've given you a new garment. I've given you a new clothing. You're healed. You're washed white as snow. Praise be to God that you no longer have to look into the mirror of your life and see only your past, but you can see his holiness and his righteousness, and that brings you into the presence of God, and you begin to praise him for who he is, for he's not only healed you, he's given you a new identity. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're now an adopted son or daughter of God. Where are you? Are you getting in the presence of the Lord? As we get ready to end, the band's going to come up. Some of us feel so isolated in our life and alone. Because the enemy's really good at reminding you of the past. He has a rewind button. But God is always reminding you of who you are in him. You've just got to get into his presence to remind yourself that you're safe. Remind yourself that you're healed. Remind yourself that you're covered. You gotta be like Jude. You gotta go get your dad. And you gotta say, can you come lay with me? I'm really scared. Can you come be with me? I don't feel good. Can you come and help me? Because I can't do it. Can you come be with me? I'm really sorry about what I did and how I hurt you. Can you come be with me? I'm really frightened right now. Can you just come be present with me because I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I can't breathe. And you know what? You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. You don't have to burn a smoke signal because he's ever present. You only need to ask and the Father is there. He's already there. And so as we get ready to end this night together, 
Where do you find yourself in this life? Are you a believer or are you a Pharisee? Are you wanting to get in God's presence or are you not even around people who are? Are you in this moment that you believe that God, because of your mess, wants nothing to do with you? And all he's saying to you right now is, in your mess, I'll meet you. You're not alone. He is here. He is with us. And all you have to do is believe. That's it. That's all the Bible says. Believe. And so just for a moment, just to give you a moment with the Lord privately, where do you find yourself right now? What is God saying to you right now? How do you need to respond to him? See, our response is not to prove our genuineness. Our response is to help us solidify what happens here. And so I'm going to say this. The altar is open. You can come down here and you can pray and you can receive prayer. I'll meet you right here. But you know what? God's ever present. You don't got to come to an altar. There can be one right there where you're seated, right there where you're standing. You can meet God right now and you can do work with him and you're not alone. But maybe for the first time, you feel like you are spiritually astray. God promises that when we believe in him and believe in what Jesus did for us, that he lived for us, that he died on the cross for our sin, to remove it, to cover it, to remove it as far as the east is from the west and clothe us in a new garment of his righteousness and his holiness. The Bible says you only need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved and you will be healed. Or maybe you've done that in your life and you just feel so alone. You just forgot what dad's like. And you can find him. He's ever present. You can see him. He's everywhere. You can hear him through his word. You can sense him through the spirit. If you feel alone, you're not. God is with us and God is with you. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.